John chapter number 6, once again this morning, John chapter number 6, and we've been in this passage of Scripture, uh, the story of the five loaves and two fish uh, since the end of February, and this morning will be our concluding message uh, from this passage of Scripture, and I trust that uh, these messages have been as much of a blessing to you as they have been uh, for me, many great truths for us to be reminded of. And uh, we look forward to uh, the final message from this chapter this morning. Many of you have mentioned to me, so Pastor, you're going to have this in a book. And I do plan on putting this into a book. And the publications team will have it ready by next Sunday. And so um, be a long week for them. Uh, John chapter number 6, uh, verse number 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. We have seen many truths from this passage of Scripture, and I'll remind us of some in just a moment. We come down to the end, and the miracle has been done. More than one miracle has been done here. You have the 5,000 men plus the women and children who were hungry, and there was one little lunch, five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus took that and multiplied it so that everybody was filled. Not just got a piece. That would have been a miracle, but everybody was filled. Then there was a miracle that there was more left over than Jesus started with. And then when all of this has taken place and the people had been filled and the disciples had been part of that miracle. We get to the end in verse number 14, there's a testimony of what they had just seen. And this morning my message is entitled this, the testimony of the five loaves and the two fishes. I want us to be reminded through the message today that first of all, God does do miracles. This world has been searching for the supernatural and they'll do it in the forms of books and movies. And friend, we have the supernatural. We have God. God does miracles. Now, I want us to be reminded that when God does a miracle, there's a testimony of that miracle. And I want us to see that this morning. I trust this will be a help to us. Father, we pray once again for your will to be done. Father, before me is your word. It is alive. It is a living book. 
It is a book that transforms still in 2021. It is a book that we can build a life on, we can build a home on, we can build a future on. It is the book we get our assurances from. And Father, today, may your word be as alive as it ever has been in our lives. May the Spirit of God speak to us. Father, there's someone unsaved. They've never got their salvation settled. They have questions about their eternity. May today be the day they get that settled. There's some child of God who needs to take that first step of obedience and baptism. May they get that settled today. Church membership, whatever the decision is today, maybe just a Christian needs to be reminded uh, that you're still a miracle-working God. May we look to you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look back and reflect back on this series that we have been in, this story, this account of this miracle that Christ performed, this miracle known as the five loaves and the two fish. We're reminded of the many messages, the many truths that we find in this story. I'm reminded as we begin this passage of Scripture, Jesus knew the need before the need was even realized. What a great reminder this morning. that Before those individuals really even understood the need they had, Jesus already knew the need. Jesus, and if you think back to all those weeks ago, we brought a message of trying to see things how Jesus sees them, see them through the eyes of Jesus. And before these individuals, these people there, that group of people, that multitude of people, even realized their need, Christ was aware of every need they had. That's a good reminder for you and I today. You may have come in the building with a need that nobody else knows about. Well, no human may know about it, but you have a God who's very aware of every need you have. He knows every insecurity you have this morning. He knows every doubt that you came in with. He knows the burdens that you carry. And just as he knew every need in this account in Scripture of this miracle, before the need was even realized, he knows your need this morning. And just as he was enough to meet their physical need in that day, he's enough to meet the spiritual needs of today. Jesus already knew the solution to the problem. He, as we, you recall, he asked Philip, uh, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. When he posed that question to his disciple, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Uh, we have a God who already knows the answer before the problem is even posed. You came today looking for something. He already knows how he's going to do it. He already knows the answer to the problem, the solution. I'm reminded of the lad that was there who had the little five loaves and two fish. I remind you that these were barley loaves. The scripture is clear to point this out because barley was common. This would have been a lad who would have been a, come from a common home, a poor home more than likely. He had those barley loaves, those two fish. We're reminded that the lad didn't need anything other than he had, but he just needed to give what he had to Jesus. What a good lesson for you and I to be reminded of today is this, this story testifies to us. You don't have to have what you think you have to have to serve God. You don't have to have what you think you have to have to even have your salvation need met. You don't have to have what you think you have to have to have peace and joy and to find your purpose in this life in serving God. You don't have to have what somebody else has to have. 
all this lad had was that, 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 that lunch of a poor boy, and, and, and they were looking for, for what do we have, and he offered what he had to the Lord. I'm reminded of those five loaves and two fish. We've hear, heard that number week in and week out, five loaves, two fish. You know how many people it takes to feed 5,000? You know what it takes to feed 5,000 people? Five loaves and two fish. But don't try that at Thanksgiving when the crowd comes over. But with the Lord, all he needed was five little loaves, five little rolls, five little barley cakes, and two fish. And when the Lord gets that little lunch and it was given to Jesus... I'm reminded of how that was used to its greatest potential. What a reminder to you and I this morning that when we give ourselves to the Lord, that's how we're used to our greatest potential. Friend, you'll never know what it's like to reach your greatest potential in living it for yourself, living for this world, living for temporal satisfaction. But if you'll give what you have in your life to Him... He will use it to its greatest potential. You'll experience joy that you did not know you could experience. You'll touch lives that you did not know that you could possibly touch. You can make a difference that you, for eternity, not just in this temporal life that we live, and not just this time God gives us on this earth, but for all of eternity, your life can, 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 can have a ripple throughout eternity because of the lives you touch if you just give it to the Lord because... He uses what you have, or can I say this morning, what we don't have, and He uses it to its greatest potential. I'm also reminded, and I believe this story testifies this morning, that the, when the Lord is involved, you don't just get a little. The Scripture says, in verse number 12, that when they were filled, Jesus was so concerned about their needs and cared so much about those people that when he did a miracle, he didn't just give them a little bit. He gave them enough so they could say, I'm full. I've had enough. I don't want any more. Now let me remind you what they started with. They started with barely enough to feed a, a lad. And now that great multitude has had so much that they're full. Can I tell you the most satisfying feeling in the world is knowing that you've given what you had to the Lord and He's filled you and He's used you to be a blessing to somebody else. Jesus then declares that nothing be lost. The leftovers with God are more than what they started with. Think about that. This world makes so many promises that it cannot fulfill. Let me say that again. This world makes so many promises that it cannot fulfill. The world cannot fulfill the promise of happiness. The world cannot fulfill the promise of joy. But Christ has never made a promise He has not kept. And the leftovers with God are more than they started with. That's how great of a God we have. That's how wonderful of a God we have because what we give Him, what He will take and multiply it and use it to His honor and glory, the leftovers with God are more than you start with. Last Sunday we spoke of the fragments. You recall last Sunday as 
we illustrated the cakes or the rolls or the loaves and how in order for them to be used, they had to be broken. And how we can apply that to our life in order for us to be used to our greatest potential. We have to allow ourselves to be placed in the Master's hand and He breaks us and we see fragments of our life and we wonder what good is going to come from these fragments. But let me remind you that when the miracle was done and everybody was full, Jesus stopped and said, take these baskets and go and gather up all the fragments You can trust the Lord with your life. You can trust the Lord with your fragments because he'll be very careful to not let one fall by the wayside. He will gather them so they all can be used to his honor and glory. What a testimony that this miracle proclaims about our Lord. We come to the end of the text and there's there's testifying beyond the action of the miracle. There is a declaration, there's a summation of the mind and a declaration of a very important truth. And we see that in verse number 14. And before I read it again, let me remind you that when God does a miracle in our life, it declares the same truth. What is that truth? Look at verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When they saw what Christ did, when they saw the bread being broken and those fragments being distributed and that great multitude being fed, and then Jesus said, go gather up all the fragments. Don't let one fragment be wasted. Gather it all up and bring it back. When all that was said and done, those men who had forsaken all to follow the Lord, those men who had turned their back on their, their livelihood, on their way of life, and in some cases family, to follow Him because they believed He was the Son of God. They could declare nothing but the truth that this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God, this is the one sent from God, and it was because they witnessed the miracle, they were reminded of who Jesus is. And let me translate that to you and I today. You and I, sometimes we fail to see the miracles that God does in our life. And when God does a miracle in our life, it declares the same truth. This is the Son of God. As we reflect on this fact this morning, I want to use the end of this story, and so many times our focus is on the miracle in itself. The five loaves and two fishes, and we have spent many, many weeks dissecting this miracle. We've put the emphasis on the lad, on the loaves themselves, and all the different stories, but this summation, this testifying of what all of that represents, I want to take a little bit of time and with the message this morning, point a few things out from the end of this story. Look at me again in verse number 13. I want you to notice the phrase at the end, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. What is this talking about? We spent some time with it last week after everybody was filled not just enough to get them home. They were filled. They didn't want any more. Jesus stopped and said, gather up the fragments. 
that, that, that action, go get everything that's left over. And as they gathered them up, they gathered up the fragments that remained, that nothing be lost. They got the 12 baskets full. And that which remained over and above under them that had eaten. Let me say number one this morning, the remainder is a reminder. The remainder is a reminder. Jesus could have... I mean, after all, He is God. He could have blessed that lunch to the exact amount that everybody needed. He knew not just how many people were in the crowd that day. He knew how much every person would eat. Have you ever been surprised by how much somebody eats? I mean, come on, we, we all judge. You see, you see somebody, you see a big guy, large man, I mean, he's going to eat us. But sometimes it's that 95-pound lady that out-eats everybody. But you know what? You ever go out, and sometimes I've gone out to eat with people, and it's like, wow, that's shocking. Sometimes it's the one you thought would eat more doesn't eat that much. And the one you ask the question, where are you putting all that? I use that silly illustration to remind us that in a crowd of 5,000 men plus the women and children, Jesus knew how much every single person would eat to be filled. If Jesus could take five loaves and two fishes and multiply it to feed everybody, he was very capable of doing it down to the exact amount that everybody would partake of and there'd be nothing left over. But he didn't do that because the remainder was a reminder. It was a reminder that Jesus not only meets the need, he's greater than our need. It's a reminder that He doesn't just want to take care of our necessity. There's more beyond that. It's a reminder that when there is a need, and it was a reminder that there's this little lad who just takes his lunch and gives it, and Jesus can do so much more than we can even imagine. What a miracle in itself of meeting the needs of everybody in that crowd. But Jesus was more than that. There was 12 baskets full that remained. And when those disciples, and the scripture doesn't tell us in any of the accounts in the gospel what that happened to that bread, but wherever it was taken, whether the disciples carried it to the next town or, or it was given to somebody to take home, when they carried that basket away that day and they were already full, it, the remainder was a reminder that we have a God who's greater than we can even imagine. He is beyond meeting our needs. If we're honest this morning, every one of us would have to testify that God has been so good to us. He has not just met our needs. He's blessed us beyond. Well, if you're here this morning and you, you had the, the, the strength to get yourself here and you had the ability to get here, you've got a lot to be thankful for. 
Well, we live, and yes, our nation has a lot of problems today, and, and we'll not take the time to talk about it. We don't have the time to talk about all the problems, but I would still rather live in the United States of America, the greatest nation on earth, than anywhere else in this world. God has been good beyond what you and I need. I don't, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You have thrown away more food this week than, so, than the majority of the world has consumed. We live in a place of blessing. Oh, Pastor, if you knew my living circumstances, if you knew uh, that, that, that I bear, you know, I, my, the roof that I have has got, it leaks. Well, I can tell you, to talk to you about some people who don't have a roof. The point I'm making is the remainder is a reminder. Because there's probably somebody, I, I've, I've said this is probably a Baptist crowd and because they had to eat after the Lord was done teaching them. But there was probably somebody in that crowd who on the way home was complaining because they ate too much. But we have a tendency to complain. Oh, I'm full. But even beyond that, there was a remainder. That remainder is a reminder of what God can do. When God does a miracle in our life. He does beyond. Let me use salvation as an illustration. I'll get to that more at the end. But salvation is a wonderful thing. If you get nothing else settled in this life, it's more important than whether you're a Republican or Democrat is whether you're on your way to heaven or hell. That's the most important thing you will ever decide is whether or not you're going to accept God's plan of salvation. I didn't say the church's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation. I didn't even say your grandmother's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation. 100% faith in what Christ did on Calvary. That is the only way to get your salvation secure and settled if all I got out of being saved was I didn't have to go to hell. I'd take it. I take it if all I got out of when as a child when I was presented with my that my sin nature when I was presented with the fact that even as a child I understood that because I sinned I had offended God I could never make my way back to God and the the punishment that would I justly deserve was paying for my own sins in that horrible place called hell. And I was also presented a free gift of salvation paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for my sins on Calvary. And all I had to do was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on what he did, and I could be saved and have my sins forgiven. I didn't know all that salvation contained. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. And some of you could testify this morning, that is what the Spirit of God used in your own life. You were presented with your own sins. You were presented with the fact that you could never get to God, and you had to pay for your own sins, but you were told about a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would forgive you, and through Him you could have forgiveness. You didn't understand all the doctrines of salvation. You just didn't want to go to hell. You chose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I stand here today and testify if that was all salvation was? If I needed to do it again, I would do it again because I don't ever have to spend a moment in hell paying for my own sins. But salvation is even better than that. 
Because not only do I not have to pay for my own sins, I get to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. Not only do I not have to pay for my own sins, but when the, a holy and righteous God, and by the way, God is not measured by holiness. Holiness is measured against God. When He looks at my account, you know what He sees? He sees perfection. Pastor, are you that good? No, I'm not that close, but I'm not that good. He sees perfection. Why does he see perfection? Because Jesus' account is entered in the ledger under my name. And if you're saved, the same is true with you. And salvation is wonderful because I don't have to pay for my sins, but it's even better than that. See, the, the remainder is a reminder. All of us have been blessed beyond what we deserve. All of us. Those leftovers were a reminder of what God can do. Number two, I want us to see the men and the miracle. In verse number 14, then those men, those disciples, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. You see, the men in the miracle, once they saw the miracle, they were reminded of the, their own inadequacies because they could not do what Christ could do. Can I remind us this morning and, and, and help you this morning? No religious man can do for you what Christ can do for you. Through the centuries they've tried. Through the centuries they've declared... But they've all been wrong. Nobody could do what Christ did for you because all men are inadequate. And in our own life, we are going to be presented with things where we can, times we cannot even meet our own needs. We cannot, get, we cannot even strengthen ourselves. These men were reminded at the beginning of this miracle when Jesus said, how are we going to feed all these people? And Philip, well, he added up real quick. If we had a year's worth of salary, if somebody's a year's salary, we couldn't feed everybody in this crowd. Jesus did it. He already knew what he was going to do, but he was reminding those men that of their own inadequacies. And you and I need to be reminded of our own inadequacies, how much we need God. If you're facing a battle, you're going through a valley, God might just be wanting to remind you how much you need Him. Oh, you look at things that take place in our nation through the decades and through the centuries and national tragedies. Oh, when somebody's shooting up a school, it's okay to pray in the school then. Well, maybe those things wouldn't happen if you could pray in the school before. Well, I remember if you can think back to 9-11... Oh, even the godless secular meeting was, media was talking about prayer and God. and It's amazing that sometimes God just wants to remind all of us, you can't get along without me. You can't do it without me. Hey, do a miracle. Feed all these people. You can't do it without me. We need to be reminded of our own inadequacy, and these men were. And when they were reminded of their own inadequacy, they were witness to Christ's power and ability. Can I tell you, when I got saved, I had to first admit that I could not save myself. 
I had to first be faced with the fact that I was not good enough to get to heaven. You know what? That's, that's a, lot of, a lot of times that's a reason why some reject Christ. They reject the gospel. because They don't like to be confronted with the fact that they're not good enough to save themselves. They're not good enough to work their way to heaven. Nobody is. But upon that realization, it brought me to another realization of what Christ could do for me. When I realized that I could not save myself, I realized that Christ could save me. See, we are not just confronted with what we cannot do with no purpose. We're we're confronted with what we cannot do so that we can see what Christ can do for us. He can do what nobody else can do. And they were witness to Christ's power and ability, these men, in the miracle. And when God does a miracle, He wants us all to be reminded that we couldn't do that. Sometimes we get first. I, I, I will confess to you, maybe I'm the only one uh, this applies to, but I doubt it very seriously. There have been times I've been frustrated because there's some things I wanted to do and I didn't have the power to do it. I'm dealing with something like that now with, with, with the health of my own wife. There's some things we cannot do and we get frustrated. There's some things we cannot change and we, can't, we get frustrated. Friend, you and I are not God. You and I are not supernatural. You and I have limitations. We can't make somebody else do right. We can't make this world change. We can only look to Him and there's only some things that God can do. And when we're reminded of what we can't do, that's when Christ will step in and say, let me show you what I can do. This morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, one of the purposes I have today is to confront you with the facts that you're a sinner just like every man who has ever lived. You cannot save yourself. No holy man can sprinkle anything on you and you be saved. No man can say, thy sins be forgiven. There's only one whose word, those words have ever been uttered from his lips and it have been true, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to confront you with the fact that if you, if you die without Christ, you will spend eternity paying for your own sins. But friend, that's only part of the purpose. I don't want you to leave here today defeated and discouraged because you can't pay your own way to heaven. I want you to understand because you can't pay your own sin debt, there is one who can. There is one who did. There is one who's already paid the way. And before you can put your faith in him, you've got to see your inadequacy and inability to do it yourself. And you can have salvation, but it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. At the same time, Christian, won't you just give that problem to God? Won't you just give that situation to God? You get frustrated because you don't have the ability to do it. But it's not until you see your inadequacy can you realize what Christ can do. The third observation, the third testimony I want to see this morning is found in verse number 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, notice the word seen, notice the word said. Number three, this this morning, when they had seen, they said. Don't forget this practical point. When God does a miracle in your presence, in your life, you talk about it. You talk about it. 
I mean, we could testify this morning about miracles that God has done in your life. How many of you are saved this morning? That's a miracle. But there's other miracles that God has done. And when God does a miracle, you know what we're prone to do? We're prone to talk about it. And these men, when they saw it, they began to talk about it. And when they talked about what God had, had done, what Christ had done, it spread the message of who He was. It would be good for us as Christians to be reminded of the miracles God has done for us so that we go talk about it. Hey, we just said salvation is a good example of a miracle. When's the last time you talked about it? Well, they talked about it. Which leads me to this truth as well. God puts you in situations where you need a miracle so He can perform a miracle, and you'll talk about it. Did you catch that? God sometimes puts us in situations you can't fix it. You need a miracle. How many of you ever said that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I need a miracle. And sometimes we say that almost in jest, like, I got to have this house clean before the wife gets home. Well, yeah, you may need a miracle for that. But we're talking about things of more consequence. Unless there's a miracle, I don't know what I'm going to do. Unless God intervenes, I don't know what I'm going to do. And friend, this, this miracle is an example that God still intervenes. God still has the ability. And sometimes we look at God and say, God, why have you put me in this situation? Why have you allowed these things to happen? You could have prevented this. You could have changed this. Why have you allowed these things to happen? Unless you intervene with a miracle, sometimes God puts us in those situations where we have to have a miracle so he can do a miracle, so then we'll go talk about the miracle that Jesus did. You think they talked about anything else when they went to that next town other than what they saw? And any time anybody would have a conversation with them, I, I think they would say, I was there, let me tell you, I saw it, I carried the basket, and one disciple probably said, I had the biggest basket, it was the heaviest, I had the most responsibility, I saw more people fed that day. Oh, because they wanted everybody to know what they had seen. Friend, if God has put you in a situation that you cannot get out, that you cannot overcome, don't look at God with any bitterness and with any doubt. Why don't you just look to Him for that miracle because God may have put you in that situation so that you need a miracle, so He can do a miracle, so that you'll go talk about it. The number four, we see the fulfillment by the Father. Please don't miss this. In verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, in the previous point, when they had seen, they saw, they said, they told what they had seen. They declared what? That this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. We don't have time to turn to any passages this morning. Jesus was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Messiah is coming. The one that would take away the sins of the world is coming. He was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. And that's what they were acknowledging when they saw the miracle. This is of a truth, that prophet, that, that prophesied one. This is him. 
No one other than the Son of God could do what they just saw done. Now, we know some of the disciples. Peter comes to mind. Peter, who was going to walk on water. Peter, who God would use on that day of Pentecost, and 3,000 would be saved. Peter, who some false religions like to make the first pope, our first holy man. He couldn't do what was done. He couldn't do that miracle. John, the beloved, the one who God revealed, the revelator, the one who God revealed the end times to while he was exiled on Patmos, he couldn't do this. Matter of fact, all of them assembling together couldn't do what Jesus did because there's only one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one Son of God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There wasn't many sons of God. There is a Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what they were saying is, what we've just seen, it's Him. It's Jesus. Each time a miracle is done by God in your life, it is a fulfillment of Scripture. Each time. Those men that day, they were watching a fulfillment of those Old Testament prophets who preached those prophecies with passion. And they would declare, as Isaiah did, and Ezekiel did, and Jeremiah did, and they would be beaten and imprisoned for the prophecy that they would be preaching. These men now are witnessing the fulfillment of this prophecy. You say, what a wonderful thing that would be to see. But friend, every time God does a miracle in your life, it's a fulfillment of the scripture. Because he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a fulfillment of prophecy. Let's end the message this way, talking about our salvation once again. If you're saved this morning, you called on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saved you. There's only one who could do that. Jesus said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Child of God, do you remember when you called on Him? And the best way you understood how you realized that you were a sinner, you couldn't save yourself. And you called on Him, and in that instant, your eternity was changed from heaven to hell. In that instant, you were cleansed in the sight of God. In that instant, that sin debt was erased and wiped out. In that instant, the Spirit of God sealed you until that day where He calls us home. In that instant, you're placed in the Father's hand and no man can pluck you out. Your eternity is secure. Your salvation is secure. In that very instant, you call. Do you realize that is the fulfillment of John 3, 16? 
when he did that miracle for you. And Jesus, it was just five loaves, two fishes, and it was just something temporal like filling the bellies of those people who were there, giving them strength so they could get home for that journey. But it was important because the Lord knew the need that he wanted to meet him. And when it was all said and done, what was revealed to those disciples was something bigger than just that temporal need. It was a revelation of the fulfillment of the of promises that the Father had made. And friend, when God does a miracle in your life and in my life, it is the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. You do know that after you got saved, upon your salvation, you became a son of God. And your heavenly Father cares for your every need. Your heavenly Father has made you some promises. So, Pastor, I don't see how it's going to come. I don't see how I'm going to get through this. You mean you need a miracle? Well, God specializes in miracles. He does it to remind us of who He is. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your trust in Christ, maybe you're depending on your salvation. You're depending on a church. The Emmanuel Baptist Church is a great church, but the Emmanuel Baptist Church cannot save anybody. So would you have to be a Baptist to be saved? No, you have to put your faith and trust in Christ to be saved. No religious group can save anyone. And this is the harsh reality that some have to face. No man's good enough to save themselves. No man can work their way to heaven. And this is the elevated opinion we have of ourselves. Maybe you've heard, well, well, if I'll put all my good works on, on, on the one end of the scale, my bad works on the other, and if the good works outweigh, you know, it's not possible for any man to have more good works than bad works. But some of you have a hard time with that on your way home, but it's the truth. So if that was even a feasible thing, no man could even do it. Because the scripture tells us that our good works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We really don't have an understanding of what holiness really is, what perfection really is. But you can have that miracle done in your life today. And I promise you, if you get that salvation settled, you'll leave as these men left saying, He truly is the Son of God. He truly is the one who could do only what he can do. The testimony of the five loaves and two fishes. He's more than enough. He's so good of a God that he'll meet your needs and there'll be leftovers. Oh, it's a reminder of what he can do for us and how he's done for us. And the miracles are a fulfillment of what God said he would do for us. You realize that anyone who's ever realized their own inadequacy then couldn't save themselves. And they were presented with the truth that Christ is, is enough to do that. Any man who's ever called on Jesus has never been turned away. Has never been turned away. Anyone who says, I realize I could never be good enough 
I realize that I deserve to pay for my own sins in the sight of God. Then looks to Christ and says, I believe in what you did on Calvary. I believe you paid my sin debt. I believe the, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. My faith is in you. No man who's ever put their faith in Christ has ever been turned away. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, let me tell you what this Bible says. He'll save you. You can have forgiveness of sins. You can lay your head on your pillow tonight with a new experience, having no worry about where you'll spend eternity. But I've also got to let you in on this as well. There's so much more in your salvation. If that was all there was, it'd be enough. But there's so much more. There's so much more what our Father does for us. Father, I pray that...